sustainability committee meeting due to the COVID-19 health emergency. Board members are participating in this meeting remotely via video conference, and they are participating in the same extent as if they were physically present. Public comment will be available for each item on the agenda. For members of the public who wish to make public comment, the phone number to use is 415-655-0001. The access code is 2481-528-1280. Then press pound and press pound again. When your item of interest is called, dial star three to be added to the queue to speak. Please wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and you may begin your comments. You may address the board once per agenda item for up to two minutes. Item number one, call to order. Director Kwan. Okay, I see the hand raised, I believe you might be muted. Director Sen. Yeah. yeah. Director Richardson. I'm here. And Director Prochnik. Hello. Okay. We do have a quorum. Move on to item number two, general public comment. And I'm seeing no members of the public on the line. Item number three, consent agenda, approving the minutes of the July 15th, 2021 meeting. So moved. I'll second. All right, I'll take a roll call vote. Director Kwan. Uh, yes. Director Sen. Director Sen. Oh, you're muted. Thank you. And Director Richardson. Hi, I'm hi. Thank you. So there are three eyes. Item number four, updating San Francisco's climate action plan, San Francisco environment. And Cindy Comerford from uh, Department of Environment will give us an update. Great. Um, good afternoon, everyone. Again, my name is Cindy Comerford. I'm with the Department of Environment. I manage our department's climate program, which entails our climate action team, green building and environmental justice team. And over the last two years, we have been working on facilitating the update to the city's climate action plan. Um, we've been working with about 20 different city departments. And what I'm gonna do today is I'm gonna give an overview of this, uh, the development of the plan and uh, a little bit of an overview of what, what's in the plan. Um, can someone just verbally confirm you can see the slides up on the screen? Yeah, we can see it, thank you. Okay. Great. We're, um, we're seeing the actual PowerPoint, not the slideshow. Okay, let's, let me, Give me one second. Okay, how's that? Um, that's that's taking it into slideshow mode. So we see the current slide and previews of upcoming slides. Okay. How's that? Perfect. Okay. Third time is always a charm. So this is what I'm going to cover today. I'm just going to... Um, go through some high level objectives of what we're, why we're doing the climate action plan, talk about the city's climate action targets and goals, talk a little bit about our principles and values in the plan, um, predominantly around community engagement and equity. And then really the meat of the plan is our, our solutions to get to our city climate action goals. And then you know some of the challenges that we're expecting to see along the way. So I'm sure everyone knows that it's imperative for us to act now on climate. Um, for those of you who aren't working in the climate change space, the IPCC, which is the International Panel on Climate Change, came out with their latest report in September. And this report confirmed a lot of what, what we knew around climate change, um, that it is happening faster than expected, that the impacts are uh, expected to be more severe and frequent. And also, you know, it confirmed without a doubt that the impacts that we are experiencing from climate change are human induced. And so 
Um, really, humans need to be the solutions to these problems. Uh, Treasure Island, you know, being an island in the middle of San Francisco Bay has some significant impacts that it will see. Uh, a big one is sea level rise. Uh, we know that we've already experienced uh, sea level rise since the 1950s, and that is expected to uh, continue. And so it's important that we adapt to the impact that is already um, happening, but also that we mitigate so we don't see um, some potentially irreversible consequences. And so what our climate action plan intends to do, it's intended to be a roadmap of how we reduce climate pollution or greenhouse gas emissions. But we also had a dual goal when we put together this plan, was also to advance racial and social equity. Uh, we know that communities of color, low-income communities, and other vulnerable populations have disproportionately experienced the impacts of climate change. And so our goal is really to um, work on some reducing some of those inequities, which I'll talk about a little more. Um, the plan really points to the future um, that so we're able to reach the city's mandated goals. And also, you know, as a global city, um, San Francisco does have um, commitments to our international communities to have a Paris compliant plan. We have signed on to the Paris Agreement years ago. Um, and also we belong to many other professional organizations that we have made international commitments to. So first I'm gonna talk a little bit about the targets, um, where we're at and where we need to go. So this slide here shows our climate emissions. Um, and so the climate emissions are based on something that is called an inventory that we do every year. And this is called a sector-based inventory. Um, and we look at five major sectors. So you can see most of our greenhouse gases or climate pollution comes from the transportation sector, um, closely followed by building operations. So between transportation and buildings, that accounts for about 80% of our emissions. And that's really where a lot of our focus is gonna be. Um, we also see emissions from our landfill organics, which does predominantly food waste um, and other things that put out methane, and then a smaller amount from our municipal operations and agriculture and wastewater. And so we see that we have about a total of, of about 4.6 uh, million metric tons of carbon dioxide equivalent. And so that measures other types of gases and, and puts them all in the same um, kind of compatibility so we can look at it in an aggregate. And so what we've also started to do is we've also started to look at life cycle emissions. Um, so life cycle emissions account for not only the emissions that um, impact our city or the direct emissions from transportation buildings, but also looks at emissions from a consumption pace perspective. So for example, if you buy an iPhone or a computer, many times those parts are coming from around the world. So what are the emissions associated with the production of that um, item, the transportation of that item to the city? And um, so we're also looking at it from a consumption-based emission. And this is really important for a wealthy city like San Francisco that has a huge consumer base. So it's not only about our direct emissions, but also, um, you know, the purchases and what we consume adds to global emissions. So when we look at a consumption-based inventory, um, we see that our emissions go way up. You know, they're, they go from 4.6 to 14.7, and then they're measured in a little bit of a different way. So we're looking at goods and services are a big part of our emissions. I kind of gave the example of the computer and the iPhone. We also, our food system is a huge part of our emissions, um, and then also housing and transportation, but looking at it from a perspective of the, the products in your house, your utility bills, um, and from a transportation perspective, um, this includes, you know, your, you know, if you purchase a vehicle, this also includes air travel. Um, so we're trying to look at it from both perspectives to make sure that we're not just kind of offloading our emissions to the global economy. And so um, based on this information and doing some modeling, 
we came up with target emissions for San Francisco. Um, so we have an interim goal of looking at 2030 of reducing our sector-based emissions. So that's the first pie chart of the direct emissions by 61% and a 40% reduction um, of consumption-based emissions by that timeline. And then our big goal, um, which is the most important one to take away from this slide, if you can only remember one thing, is that uh, by 2040, San Francisco has committed to being a net zero emission city. So that means 90% of our reduction in sector-based emissions and that last 10% we look to sequester or remove by nature-based solutions. And then by 2050 to have an 80% reduction in our consumption-based emissions. Um, so these uh, targets were adopted by the Board of Supervisors in July in Chapter 9 of the Environment Code. And so they're, they're now codified um, with the city. So next I'm going to talk about the, the sectors and the goals. So how do we make sure that we can hit those targets? So breaking it down one level. So within the legislation that I talked about um, that got codified, it also set forth the required elements of the Climate Action Plan and those goals. So in the Climate Action Plan, we're going to look at these um, six sectors, uh, energy supply, Cindy, I think you're frozen. Ooh. Um, this will last uh, maybe 10 seconds. Okay, sorry about that. No worries. Um, so the, the, I'll just go back to the slide. So these are the six sectors we're gonna cover in the Climate Action Plan. Um, many of them are uh, people have heard of before, such as energy supply and transportation and land use, but we have some new ones. So one of them is around housing. Um, and building, you know, infill compact housing in San Francisco is one of the best ways to reduce uh, regional emissions. Um, also responsible production and consumption, this used to be our zero waste goal, and we've expanded it to look at, you know, producer responsibility and then our, our consumption habits, which I talked about. And then lastly, healthy ecosystems is really about how do we sequester carbon and making sure that we have um, you know, healthy biodiversity within the city. So for each of those sectors, we have specific goals. Um, these goals, again, are codified within the city's legislation that I talked about that happened in July. And I'm not going to go through every one of them, but they kind of show, you know, what are our interim goals in some cases, and then what are our, our longer-term goals for each sector. So next, I'm just going to talk a little bit about how we started taking that framework and then developing the plan. So one thing that was really important for us is this plan to be a people-centered plan. A lot of times when we think about climate change, people think about landscapes and polar bears. And for us, it's really about the impact that climate change will have on people and how we can use the solutions to improve people's lives. Um, so we did a significant amount of outreach. Um, unfortunately, all the outreach had to be done during COVID, so it was online. Uh, but we had great attendance in our public webinars. We had them in multiple languages. Um, so we ended up having um, around 10 public webinars. We had a great kickoff webinar with the mayor. Um, and then we also had some smaller community-based presentations. Um, we had an online open house platform. We had surveys. Um, we did some direct postcards to communities too. So overall, we were able to reach a little over 200,000 people. Of those 200,000 people, we had a little less than 6,000 that actively engaged. That means they took a survey, provided comments on our online open house, um, and uh, attended a webinar. So we had a lot of feedback, and we took a lot of time to make sure that we took all this feedback into consideration and that will be um, presented in our final plan. Along with in community engagement and having a people-centered plan, the plan looked at all of our solutions through these four lenses. I remember if I said in the beginning of the presentation that we had a dual goal of reducing climate emissions, but also advancing racial and social equity. And so we have these lenses around racial and social equity, health, 
around economic recovery and a just transition. For those of you who aren't familiar with the concept just transition, it means that as we move towards a low carbon economy, that we are making sure we have the workforce for the future and that we're able to transition um, workers from fossil fuel jobs into the renewable energy and new economy that we need. And also to make sure that our, our strategies and actions not are only looking at reducing emissions, but preparing us for the future, the climate of the future. Um, and I won't go over this in detail, but this just kind of shows all the different things we look at to um, assess equity. Um, our department actually developed its own uh, proprietary tool. Well, it's not proprietary, but we developed it in-house. Anyone is welcome to use it, um, which is called the RC tool that went through all our different strategies and actions and looked at um, these metrics to make sure that we were really trying to not only address the disproportional impacts of climate change, but uh, look at historic uh, impacts of discrimination and um, you know, really try to repair root causes and make sure that all the benefits of our climate solutions are equitably distributed. And so now I'm gonna go into the solutions. Um, this will be pretty high level. Uh, the details of all of this will be in the final climate action plan. Our goal is to have the final plan out in December. Um, we'll be presenting to our environment commission on December 7th. And then we'll be having a launch event um, on December 8th, which I'll talk about at the end. And everyone here is more than welcome to attend. So all the solutions are by those six sectors that I talked about in the beginning. So we have the energy supply chapter, um, and that is really looking at how do we, um, you know, eliminate fossil fuels and make sure that we're using renewable electricity. Um, and so this kind of outlines the strategies, the different types of strategies that are in the plan. Um, as I said, we're looking to have 100% renewable electricity. We're making sure that we're investing locally um, in renewables. We wanna make sure that we're developing the uh, grid of the future um, so we're able to have an all electric city. Um, it's also important that we're developing the workforce. And lastly, um, which I'll talk about on the next slide, really decommissioning our natural gas system. So natural gas is the biggest contribution to our building operation emissions. And uh, in order to achieve our climate action goals, we need to eliminate natural gas from buildings. Uh, so next is the transportation and land use chapter. Um, you know, this is really about, to the best of our ability, trying to get people out of single occupancy vehicles um, and having people take more sustainable modes of transportation when feasible, walking, biking, transit. And we know that there are a certain people that are vehicle dependent for various reasons. And um, when people turn, purchase new vehicles to make sure that we're going towards electric vehicles. So this kind of outlines, you know, what I've said about making sure that we're increasing our public transit options, that we're providing safe walking and biking options for people. The equitable pricing levers is something that's not popular, but that's really important. I believe that uh, Treasure Island is gonna have some congestion pricing, uh, if not now in the future, you know, making sure that we're, we're not making driving people's first choice. Um, looking at parking, uh, and then again, the, the jobs, transit and housing transit connection is really important. So making sure when we're building new housing, that it's, it's close to transit. And then lastly, making sure that we're putting the infrastructure in and accelerating the adoption of zero emission vehicles. So housing, I talked about that a little bit earlier. This is a big focal point of the mayor, um, making sure that the our climate policy also represents our housing policy. It's something new, um, something I'm really excited about. And you know, it's looking at a couple things, making sure that we're having community stabilization, making sure that we're increasing density where appropriate so we can have more housing in the city and make sure that we're providing opportunities for, for families and people that have been um, unhoused. 
um, making sure that we're increasing our production. Uh, if you saw on the earlier slide, our goal is to have 5,000 housing units produced a year, um, which has barely happened in the last decade. So that's something housing production is important. And lastly, to make sure that people can afford to live here. How do we expand housing opportunities for low, moderate, and middle income families? Um, and building operations, this is a little different from housing. So this is about the operations of the building, the emissions that mostly existing buildings and new construction uh, uh, omit into the atmosphere. And so there's really two big strategies here, three big strategies. One is the elimination of fossil fuels in new construction. And we were, our original goal was to have this done by 2030, but we actually uh, passed an ordinance last fall that went into effect in June. So all new construction now must be zero emission. So all electric and no fossil fuels. And I'm happy to I talk about that in more detail uh, later. But in addition to making sure all of our new construction does not have fossil fuels, we also have to retrofit existing construction. Um, and that becomes a little more detail, difficult. Um, and so we will be developing different policies and incentives to retrofit buildings to, to make them all electric. Um, the same with energy supply, we need to make sure that we're building a workforce to do all this new work. And then lastly, um, another significant impact around buildings is around refrigerants. So making sure that we're transitioning to the lowest global warming potential refrigerants as possible. Um, responsible production and consumption, we talked about that a little bit on the consumption-based inventory slide, so I won't go into a lot of detail, but four main categories we're looking at, building materials and construction activities. This is the biggest source of waste that goes to our um, landfill. And although the emissions, it's not the same as food, you know, we're using a lot of virgin material and all the embodied carbon that goes into it is just a huge part and something we need to work on. And then in addition, looking at food, our everyday products and air travel. And this is our, our last section. And so I have about one minute left. Um, that's around healthy ecosystems. Uh, I think a couple of you know my colleague, Peter Brasco, who has been leading this section, who has been great. Um, and this is really making sure that, you know, twofold, that we're putting a system in place to sequester carbon and to making sure that we have the future city that we want. Uh, a green city that provides open space, tree canopies for cooling, it's just, it's really important. And so we're gonna make sure that we're looking at nature-based solutions for carbon sequestration, um, also, how we expand community participation uh, with a real emphasis on indigenous science. We want to make sure we're maximizing our urban forest and also protecting our parks, natural space, and uh, natural lands and open space. Um, and so that's a lot of information. And so we've also tried to digest it into this top 10 list. And I'm happy to share this this presentation, which kind of breaks it down into the, here's the top 10 things we absolutely need to do to get to zero emissions. And lastly, while we have all these solutions, it's not that we're without our challenges. Um, one of our biggest challenges is around funding. How do we get all the funding and revenue to implement this climate action plan? Um, we received some money from the Board of Supervisors, so we're gonna be doing a long-term funding study this year. Um, you know, even with funding, it's the ability to change, you know, making sure we have the political will and difficult trade-offs. And then it's about implementation, making sure we have the resources to do all this implementation and to make sure we do it in an inclusive way that includes the community. Um, so that's the end of my presentation, and I'm, I'm happy to take any questions. Cindy, I have a question. Can you go back and talk about the retrofitting of buildings uh, for, uh, to remove fossil fuels? Sure. Um, so I'll go back to this. Oops. So right now we have all new construction needs to be um, uh, all electric. And so we are starting to look at ways is how, how do we retrofit existing buildings? 
And basically, we're going to look at it from three different perspectives. We're going to look, there's a pathway for municipal buildings. Um, there's going to be a different pathway for residential and a different pathway for commercial. So for residential or smaller buildings, we're going to look at mostly time of replacement. So maybe in five years, three, five years, we'll put a policy in place that says when your water heater breaks, instead of replacing it with a gas water heater, you need to replace it with an electric water heater. That will be true for your stove. That will be true for your dryer um, and also your HVAC system. And all those types of um, appliances, all electric appliances are readily available. What we need to do is make sure that people can afford to do it and people who can't that we're providing incentives and subsidies. So that's kind of the residential pathway. And then for large commercial buildings, they're typically able to obtain the capital and have a long-term plan. And so what we're looking to do is how we put kind of building performance standards in place that work with long-term capital planning for, for the buildings. Um, and same thing, it will be a, a different policy. We're not gonna look to do time of replacement because usually um, capital plans for large buildings go over many years and there's more of a, a lead time that's needed. Um, but we did have something called the Zero Emission Building Task Force um, in 2019 and 2020, and they have set forth some initial recommendations of, of different policies to do those. So those very specific policies will be in the final climate action plan. Oh, that's great. And uh, an add-on question, and I know Commissioner Richardson has a, has a question as well. Do you see, um, I, know, I know that, Cindy, I think you're lead certified, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I do you see new construction as having some sort of lead requirement for perhaps bronze or silver uh, as a whole, or will this be wholly separate? This will be separate. You know, this plan is really aimed at decarbonization. And to my knowledge, lead isn't quite there yet, right? It's a little different. Um, we want to make sure that, especially when around existing conduct, uh, existing construction, that it's Title 24 compliant and there's no conflicts with laws. So that's really important. Um, but right now, you know, I think LEED will get there, but they just don't have the same decarbonization um, goals built into their, their system right now. Great, thank you. Uh, I know uh, Commissioner Richardson has a question. Linda, please go ahead. Yes, thank you so much, uh, Cindy, for a wonderful presentation. I know the materials are detailed and we have a copy of that. I just wanted to, for the record, um, the development of Treasure Island and Yoba Buena Island than any project in North America, actually. We are the platinum gold standard for development. All the issues in, that you have outlined today incorporated even the way we design our streets has climate uh, you know in mind and we have an extensive field that um, commission of the environment is also a partner in this they are you know ecology they are part of that I would like to see I think it's also very important as you develop this comprehensive plan that we also indicate San Francisco is ahead of the curve. In order to be able to, I don't know how you are going to be able to do that, but I will read the document again and maybe make some suggestion. I think you need to probably find a way in your document to accentuate signature of projects in the San Francisco that are actually leading the world in this kind of stuff because we are. That's what we are yeah. doing out here. Uh, we have to change the rise in the architecture, the goal to reach a zero in our transportation system. So I just want to make that, um, you know, comment and again to commend that the work that has gone into putting this together is very comprehensive and very complex. So thank you for being here. Yeah, uh, thanks, Linda, for your comments. And I feel like you, let me stop sharing my document because I feel like my bandwidth is a little low. Um, I just want to mention, you make a lot of great points that we have been a leader in the sustainability world in San Francisco. And so there will be a section in the beginning of the plan that really states all of our major accomplishments. 
Um, and, you know, years ago, I was involved in putting together the Treasure Island Transportation Plan. And so I am really, you know, familiar. It was, it was a while ago now. Um, I think 2008, 2009, 2010. Um, so I did spend a lot of time out there at, at, during that process and um, just really aware of the street structure and the open space and everything that's gone into Treasure Island where it's really a remarkable plan. And so we will make sure that we highlight all the great accomplishments. Um, and I think that's great, but it's like, we gotta keep going. We gotta keep, <laughs> you know, we have a, a big task in front of us and hopefully we can continue to be a, a leader um, globally. Thank you. Great. Uh, commissioners, any other questions for Cindy? Oh, yeah, Julia. I kept on my raise hand button today for some reason. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's good to meet you, Cindy. Um, so building off of Linda's really good question, since we have new buildings coming in, but they are kind of grandfathered, but yet at the same time, like I was a little bit of, I, I, I almost sad that we have a gas pipeline coming to the island since I hope that we can, you know, move in. And I get that we have to have this kind of bridge, but I, I just feel like, is there an audit capability or is there a way to incentivize some of these projects that have already been approved to jump forward and kind of meet our goals? Otherwise, I feel like we're actually going to be behind if we don't kind of find a way to, to improve upon what we've already um, set out to accomplish. Yeah. So the the all the ordinance that bans natural gas in new construction is at time of building permit. So you're correct. There's a, a couple of phases of the project in Treasure Island that have already submitted building permits or that are being constructed. Um, a couple of things we've talked about is you know trying to meet with the developers to really encourage them to go all electric. And you know usually people have misconceptions of the electricity load, the technology. This is new, so people think they can't do it when they they can. So I think that's important. And I think the second thing is, you're you're going to be the developer or the people living in this housing is going to be left with stranded assets. They're going to have to incur the longer term cost of retrofitting it, but it's so much less expensive to do it in new construction. So you know we've thought about doing some sort of ordinance around disclosures and stranded assets, like what would give people that knowledge up front and help them make that decision when they're not legally mandated to. That's so exciting, Cindy, thank you. And I, I'd love to hear more about this and, and even kind of if the recommendations in the plan of how to, to work with our developers and other community groups of avoiding those stupid assets. That'd be fantastic um, because there's a lot of tools out there that we can use in addition to securization for just transition with retirement of gas plants and repurposing the funds, we could do the same thing with some of the existing contracts. So that'd be great. Thank you for your question. Yeah, I, I have a question. Yes, and I don't know whether it should be at this, for this presentation or for the next, but um, given the fact that we want to use alternative energy sources, um, have we on Treasure Island looked into, and this is directed at Bob perhaps, um, uh, have we looked into those other sources doing solar or wind generation on the island and particularly the wind is an incredible force, you know, on Treasure Island, we know that every afternoon that wind starts blowing. Um, have we looked into that possibility? There was, uh, there, there have been prior studies of, of both wind and solar, and there is, uh, you know, intention to incorporate solar into a number of facilities, including um, hangars two and three are tremendous solar opportunities. They have such large roofs, um, but uh, um, and there and there was a study that was done of of wind power. Uh, during the, you know, the land use development for Treasure Island. Um, at that time, Treasure Island did not seem to be a good fit because um, there were uh, too many hours of the day where the, the wind would either be too high and the, the, the fan would need to release its clutch um, or the fan, the, the wind was too low. Um, 
but obviously there have been changes in technology. And I think as we move forward with, with PUC as our power provider, I think we want to, to study what, what those opportunities are uh, for us in the future. Good. Well, certainly, you know, that was 11 years ago um, when we were doing the master plan. And in that 11 years, the technology has changed quite a bit. So I would encourage us to look again um, and see what is new uh, and what we can do and whether Treasure Island would be um, a worthwhile um, place to do a pilot project. Um, and perhaps a pilot wind project, the first in San Francisco, wouldn't that be something? Um, but of course, you know, I don't know the technicalities of it, whether we have enough land, you know, all that. But it, I, I, I would urge us to do a study um, on that and, and whether that's through the PUC or separately um, on our own, we, we really ought to look into these alternative energy sources. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, commissioners, any, any other questions? Okay, Cindy, thank you. This is uh, very exciting. Um, I, I saw some of this at the Mayor's Department had meeting earlier this week, and um, I think this plan is really important. And now, hopefully emerging out of COVID, we can focus on these things that have always been priorities for us. So thank you for taking the time. Thank you, everyone, for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Now, Kate, I'll turn it back to you. Do we take public comment now? Yes, and there is no public comment on the line. So item number five, Treasure Island Program Sustainability Goals. Thanks. Uh, so Aaron Welch and Kevin Griffith are going to give a presentation. Just, um, you know, looking at our, our program in the context of, of the update that Cindy uh, just provided on the citywide effort. Uh, and then we have a two o'clock hard stop. Is that correct? Um, I believe uh, Director Richardson has a two o'clock, uh, um, so we can manage towards that deadline. Uh, we we would be able to have a quorum if 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 other directors are still available. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I I can stay for a little bit afterwards. Yeah, same here. Get started, and we can see at that time. Okay. Well, I don't have much. Um, I've got a I've got a few slides. Uh, Kevin has a few things to speak to. Bob may as well, but we wanted to have there be time for discussion and questions. Um, so I'll jump into it. Can everybody see the screen I have up now? Yes, we can. Yep. Ife nodding. Great. Um, and so some of this will be review for for those on the committee. I spoke to you. I was looking at my notes. It was in January of this year, January 2021, about the details of our lead for neighborhood development certification implementation and, st and strategies. So I'm not going to rehash all of that because um, you all have heard of that, but I am going to restate some of those uh, topics and concepts, but more with a climate lens and invite us to think how some of those efforts we're already making can be uh, furthered, re-envisioned, re-imagined, kind of spun into different buckets and ways of looking at it as we look at climate and as we coordinate with uh, like with the city that's doing this amazing plan. Hopefully Cindy can stay on if, if questions come up. So um, I sort of put this together not knowing, we didn't see Cindy's presentation ahead of time, but in many cases, I think uh, as, um, sorry, Linda, I don't remember your last name, Commissioner, Commissioner Linda <laughs> said, we're doing a lot of wonderful things on the um, plan itself. And I think we're knocking it out of the park in a lot of ways. In other cases, perhaps we have the opportunity to do better, especially as the city works for 20 uh, towards 20, 2040 net zero climate goals. So those were goals. Those are goals. And this is always happens is, is the standard is always advancing that have come on and are coming on that will continue to move. And at a moment in time, a few years ago, we were pushing the envelope and we can keep doing it. But um, some of the categories, transportation, energy, building energy, infrastructure, those are really the ones we can make a big difference on. Um, the, the, you know, Cindy's metric about the um, greenhouse gas inventory, 47% of emissions were from transportation, transportation, 41% were from buildings in 2015. Um, I was also happy to see her bringing in the idea of consumption-based emissions and, and upstream and embedded emissions. It's 
there's always these funny boundaries with these things where we think we're doing it's like okay great the emissions are from transportation buildings let's focus there well when she, when she zoomed out even further there's food there's consumption there's all these things um and so we can't control everything i think that for treasure island itself it's about development and land use and transportation of infrastructure the things we can really control but we can build in some of those uh, thinking about human behavior food consumption all that but i'd invite us to think about mitigation on kind of in one bucket which is how can we reduce greenhouse gas emissions through our efforts and then adaptation and resilience in the other bucket which i know the city is also looking at and that's things like sea level rise flooding uh, heat events water and then some of the habitat healthy habitat food um, this was an interesting uh, analysis we dug up from the from the archives. So this was done a little bit before we did our lead for neighborhood development certification effort. Um, so it's it's a few years old. It could be updated, but essentially it shows um, the carbon footprint in this case, which is uh, I think included um, some embedded emissions. So I don't know the exact methodology, but the point being that the requirements for development that were baked into Treasure Island are significantly below um, what was the, the state's AB 29, or sorry, AB 32 target of uh, 2020 target, and also significantly below the San Francisco baseline, and then of course, which put it below the national baseline. So that's a great starting point, um, the, the sort of conservative, where we think we're gonna get as required by the EIR and then as baked into our lead for neighborhood development. I think we're doing better than this, but it could, would be interesting to recalculate. And then the stretch goal where we were at 7% of the US baseline was based on some things looked at with the Clinton Climate Initiative. So, you know, we're probably somewhere between those percentages, if I were to guess. Um, but it's just to say we started, we started at a good level and we can keep pushing it. Uh, I'm not gonna go through this whole uh, checklist again, but maybe for Cindy's on. Um, some of the things that we did a really good job on in our lead for neighborhood development platinum certification, which you know was the largest and highest scoring in the country. Um, a lot of these things are absolutely uh, cross, kind of cross-cutting and mutually supportive of climate goals. Um, so things like infill development, reducing transportation demand, uh, energy efficiency in both buildings and infrastructure is directly related. Other things, it's a little bit more indirect, but as we look as we dig deeper, there is there is a relationship. And then there are, are additional items that I think when you look at it from a climate perspective, perhaps we would elevate above this and where maybe we didn't get credit in the in, in lead ND and we were minimizing it. So things like electrification of um, buildings or electrification of transit, such as the ferry, you don't directly score points in this uh, rubric, but there's absolutely a climate benefit and it's kind of the cutting edge as Cindy was talking about. So I think we just need to keep adding those layers onto this work we've done. As I said, there are a lot of inherently climate friendly features to uh, the project. I won't go through them all here, but a lot of them link back to transportation and land use um, as well as buildings. I again won't do the, uh, go through all of these, but we have been, we've been looking at this from an implementation implementation perspective, which is, we have all these standards and we want to make sure they're flowing into the horizontal infrastructure development and then flowing into the vertical development. So from just like a logistics perspective, that's how we've been looking at it. But Cindy's presentation got me got me thinking it would be really interesting to take all of our standards that we're pursuing and then map those onto some of the city standards and categories and see, I think for the most part, we're exceeding, but in some cases we may not be. So like the net zero goal by 2040, um, that's something interesting to look at how that gets rolled in over time. Um, but a lot of the horizontal work is happening. So this is, you know, streets are being built, the transportation infrastructure is being built and we're trying to bake it into what's on the ground um, today. Some of the climate adaptation work is already happening and that's being baked in today. Um, so like avoiding to, um, Julia's point that avoiding the stranded assets, avoiding building in things now that aren't going to work later. Um, we're doing a lot now more than any time in the past with the vertical standards. Um, and Kevin may speak to that a little bit in terms of building electrification um, and some of the great opportunities with that as well as challenges. But we're doing a lot with actually 
going beyond just a general target for energy efficiency, but like literally constructing and um, designing the building architecture and doing the building modeling and saying what actual percentage can we meet. Uh, that is tricky because it's always shifting over time and it should always be getting better over time. But um, working with, so this is the, this is an older photo, but of the Maceo May uh, building going up, worked with them to make sure that the energy efficiency, efficiency standards were compliant with our lead ND requirement. But as buildings come online um, over the next 10, 20 years, some of this will get easier and easier to meet those levels. And it's interesting to think about how we can keep um, improving that performance. So a lot of this vertical stuff is happening now, and it's a you know a day-to-day -day thing to figure out exactly how these big picture standards flow into individual buildings, and then how those link back to city climate goals. It's um, it's a it's kind of a big puzzle and we can have a healthy competition where we're all trying to push the envelope a little bit. Uh, Kevin, I'm going to have you just speak to some recent efforts where the development team is um, actively looking at some new solutions, ideas in both the kind of the transportation side of things and then the building side of things. And then we wanted to spend some time just opening it, opening it up for for a conversation. Yeah, great. Thanks, Aaron. Um, and appreciate the presentation that we saw at the beginning of the meeting. And um, I was, you know, pleased we didn't have a preview of it. So pleased to see how resonant our our plan and our current status is with uh, with what's going into the climate action plan uh, at the city level. And you know, even beyond some of the some of the more obvious things, you know, even you know the equity assessment lens. I think our our plan really does a does a great job of uh, of hitting many of the. Uh, elements that were addressed there. So, so really pleased to see that. And um, yeah, I'm just going to quickly speak to sort of where things are, are now uh, on some of the issues that have been raised and, you know, start with, with buildings, buildings and transportation being the, you know, 88% of the, uh, the emissions that we're trying to uh, get our hands around uh, as a, as a society. Um, and on the building front, you know, elimination of natural gas is, uh, you know, kind of the, the, First item that that pops up, and it's already been spoken to a little bit here. Um, as was noted, we do have a couple of, uh, of buildings going up now that uh, that that are utilizing natural gas. And but you know, I would say we are you know on board with looking to the future of all electric buildings. We do, um, and this is maybe an opportunity for partnership. We do need to ensure that we do have enough electricity coming to the island, you know, through our submarine cables from the East Bay, uh, in order to deal with the increased load and we're working you know we've we've asked those questions with the puc and our own consultants and, and are still working that through but that's something we need to obviously to ensure going forward that we're going to be able to, to have the electricity not just for conversion of buildings but i think with a um, a much larger usage of electric vehicles uh vehicle charging uh in the future than was anticipated 10 years ago when our plans were put together so that's uh, that's kind of ongoing work um I would say, you know, so energy efficiency in the buildings, um, you know, the stand, we're implementing the standards that are in our plan, but the standards, you know, and you know, even the standards to get a building permit, you know, now in San Francisco are what would have been cutting edge just a few years ago. So I think the just sort of rising tide of standards is, is delivering much more uh, additional uh, energy efficiency in our buildings and I see that trend growing um, into the future as well. Um, integrated solar, I think, you know, another thing that's changed since the plan was developed is just solar has gotten more and more economically feasible. So where, you know, buildings are required to be solar ready, we're seeing, you know, here and elsewhere in San Francisco and the Bay Area that more and more uh, buildings are actually, you know, installing the panels and not just being ready to install them in the future. So I'm, I'm seeing, you know, probably more utilization of solar there. Uh, as well, and then you know, green power—that's really a PUC function. But um, you know, the PUC uh, um, you know has promised from the beginning to uh, to be delivering green electricity, green green sourced electricity to the island for us. We can go on to the next slide, uh, which talks about transportation. So, yeah, and the, and kind of the headline here is ferry electrification, which. Um, and Bob, Bob knows we've been working uh, actually in partnership with WIDA, who's going to be running ultimately the ferry service to um, 
understand the specifications and make sure that we have infrastructure and plan for infrastructure that's going to go in the ground to support uh, charging of uh, ferry vessels on the island. So that's that's actually happening now. We're looking for working on locations for, you know, kind of some big ugly boxes that are going to be having to sit in our park for transformers and, and such to support this. But um, um, I think we're uh, we're fairly close to uh, to some decent solutions there and uh, we'll be ready um, to support uh, charging of, of the ferry vessels uh, in the near future. Um, I think other things are just, uh, you know, items that have been in the plan and been under under heavy discussion, um, you know, congestion pricing, obviously, I think the, the policies are now being uh, being hopefully finalized and ready for final approval. And again, an equity lens being applied uh, to that policy as well that we, we hope achieves uh, proper balance. Um, the congestion pricing can be implemented to support, uh, support transit and discourage uh, car use, especially at peak times. Um, yeah, bicycle kind of bicycle access has actually been enhanced, uh, both, you know, the Bay Bridge path and potential for the connection all the way across to San Francisco. Uh, but in addition, some of the bike uh, path infrastructure on the island has been upgraded since the plan was developed. Um, so we've got a few, you know, a few more links of, of completely separated higher class uh, bike facilities now in the plan on the island uh, to support more bike access and and um, you know also since the plan was developed you know bike share has become a real a real thing so you know the little bike stations for electric and regular uh, pedal bikes uh, are now you know everywhere and, and people are, uh, are very accustomed to using them and will be implemented in the island with uh, you know stations at the ferry plaza and other convenient locations around the island as we develop it out um, I'd say reduced parking is actually starting to, you know, as the first buildings are designed, we're actually seeing the vertical teams be comfortable with, I think, a lower uh, percentage of parking, lower ratio of parking than we might have predicted for the first phase. So I think that's a that's a positive. We're, we're you know, not uh, not with a heavy-handed requirement from from TIDA or from TICD, but the, the teams are reaching that conclusion that, uh, that uh, you know less than, so in some cases, less than 50% parking ratio will be acceptable even for these early buildings. Um, and obviously the shuttle system that will be part of the future here to, you know, kind of solve that last mile, last half mile issue. Um, we're looking to uh, to be able to stand up the first link of the of the shuttle in cooperation with MSCTA, um, hopefully sooner rather than later um, so that the first residents can take advantage of it. That's that's our update for now. And I think we've got a few minutes left and be happy both of us to uh, take any questions that the uh, committee has. Fiona to ask questions. Kevin, Aaron, this is great, great, exciting. Uh, let me open it up to uh, the board members here with any questions. Yes, Commissioner, can I? Please. Yes, please. Thank you, Commissioner Kwan. And uh, for Kevin and Aaron, I wished that your presentation actually preceded the uh, city climate plan. And I think it's very important again for us to be able to showcase the leadership, the vision, and the fact that Treasure Island Yaba Buena development, and again, is, is the standard uh, beyond uh, North America. And so I wanna take Aaron's uh, actually suggestion, I think it's important for us to overlay the standards and what we are doing with the city, which actually will show that we are actually exceeding those goals and to be able to be able to help them because it, it should be sometime even the other way around. The city needs to kind of borrow what we are doing so they can apply what we are doing again as a signature you know, project for the rest of the city. And I also lastly want to mention about what Director Bob Beck was mentioning before about the renewable energy. As a treasure island, as it is with alternative you know, energy, sometimes the wind is more than what you is low and then the fog. And so sometimes it's not reliable. We still need to, when we have you know, backup you know, energy, it might be on the state of the art battery that are now 
So why don't we, at some point when we can really discuss, have an item on the agenda that we can really discuss fully re renewable energy. I think it deserves to have a full session on its own so that we can compare. There's a lot going on with technology leads to that, but Treasure Island will have to have a sort of a backup system. And not only Treasure Island, this is applicable to the renewable energy that uh, before they get to the grid, we still need to, in order to have power. So those are my suggestions. Again, let's try to have our presentation before the city so they can learn what we are doing in that, that could be reflected. Their master plan in city and county of San Francisco is not the other round. Thank you. Thank you, Linda. Uh, anyone else? Yes, please. Like, um, hello, thank you. Um, thank you um, both Aaron and Kevin for that. Um, I, I don't really have a question, it's more a comment. And that is that the Treasure Island Development um, the master plan that was created over 10 years ago now actually was an incredibly forward-thinking document for its time. It was, it really um, addressed all the issues that we, we are now facing in a way and was very progressive. Uh, and I think that what we need to do is to make sure that we continue to be on the cutting edge because here we have an opportunity which is not available to other parts of San Francisco in that we're putting in new infrastructure um, and we have the opportunity to do actually um, the cutting edge thing, you know, the best thing um, for the island. And, and perhaps even before it's standardly, uh, um, uh, it's, it's adopted elsewhere. So I would urge that our team and Kevin, your team uh, continues to look at ways in which we can be innovative and to adopt, you know, those new technologies um, early on, because those new technologies will become the standard and the normal, and maybe, you know, even surpassed um, in the future. But um, if we don't do that now, um, we won't have the opportunity. So that was just a general comment. But um, thank you very much, Aaron and Kevin, for your presentation. Great. Um, uh, Commissioner Prosnick. Thank you. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you both for your presentation. I um, just want to echo what my two fellow commissioners have said too about pushing forward and some creative ideas. Many of you have heard me banter on about needing the the, the ferries to be electric and putting solar on that. I, I was looking really closely to see if I already saw existing solar on top of the platform going out to the ferry building. So really looking forward to kind of pushing the envelope, looking at all these rooftops and knowing that many of them are going to be required by state law to already have solar on them. And you mentioned the transformers. There's new technologies to help with that. Um, I, I would like to to echo my request at the at the last board meeting too, is to when the San Francisco PUC comes to present to us, for them to show us how they're interpreting the meeting some of the goals that Cindy outlined earlier in her presentation and that Aaron, you've outlined metrics. Um, and how we're going to meet this. And if there are gaps, then how we can be creative building on um, Commissioner Sen's point of maybe we could issue three different pilot projects where they could be RFPs to put out there for um, a wind solar battery challenger or, you know, just kind of have some very creative elements that we could do to continue to build on the advancements and kind of the forward thinking that has been done previously. So I think we have a huge opportunity and would hate to miss this to to continue to push forward on, on meeting all of our requirements in a very um, kind of creative manner. So I would request specifically that the next board meeting when we have SFPUC present is to have them answer some of these questions about how are they in the next two, five and 10 year timelines addressing the renewable energy goals that we need to meet as well as where are the, what are their pilot programs that could help bring in youth voices and, uh, and other voices to help be creative about how we're gonna address these, these needs that we have. I think I do see solar on the um, ferry. <laughs> Someone could confirm that. Great. Uh, thank you. Um, I have a question actually for uh, either of you. Um, 
the rumors of an, an AV trial, an autonomous vehicle pilot program on that. Have you heard anything of that? I'll, I'll take uh, that one. The, the, the Treasure Island Mobility Management Agency has a grant for uh, a pilot sh uh, study of, a, of an autonomous vehicle uh, as a potential mode of, of uh, for the future on-island shuttle. Um, and so they, they have a grant and they're looking to put that out for uh, an RFQ uh, to, to operate that shuttle. So that would be a free shuttle to island residents uh, for the period of, of that pilot. Okay, great. Thank you, Bob. That's, uh, that's exciting to hear. I mean, we are a transit for a city, but I think serving the residents of the island, and it's, it's the one place where we could actually do it um, within the confines of the city and county. Um, so I think it's, uh, it's an excellent try. I think Zooks and a bunch of other carriers are very close to um, a viable and, and permitted um, service. So um, can't wait to hear more about that. Uh, any other questions or comments? Okay, so Aaron and Kevin, thank you very much for your presentation. Um, and Kate, do we go to public comment again? Yes, and there is no public comment. Item number six, discussion of future agenda items by directors. You know, I have one and, and I have to be transparent with my bias, but I think it might make sense to have um, uh, Dr. Rebecca Johnson and uh, Allison Young here at Cal Academy talk about um, their efforts on Treasure Island around uh, biodiversity and habitats. Um, that can either be here or at the larger board meeting. So, um, you know, again, you know, I, I work at the academy, so it is, uh, <laughs> you know, a, a biased endorsement, but the, the work has been relevant. Uh, but uh, we also welcome any other speakers to talk more broadly about the work being done on the island itself. Yeah. Okay. Uh, That's we, great. I, I, I was just going to second main that I think that is a great idea. Um, I know that the Academy of Sciences um, has been working on the island um, with our group that uh, is working on the native habitats. And they have so much to offer in terms of knowledge and science. And, and um, it would be great to have them come to this committee or to the full board to give a report so we understand better, you know, the very special native habitat that is on Yoba Buena Island and what we're trying to create in Treasure Island as well. So that's an excellent suggestion, Mike. Thank you. Ike, this is Joy. I like that too, and I, I would just add to it. I think seeing from Cindy's map about the um, waste management and just thinking of recycling in the future and composting, like we, we have our community gardens and how to build upon that. Um, so can we get an update from Recology or whoever soon will be in the future, kind of what they're, um, you know, are they going to have all electric tracks? What does that look like for you? Do they have to charge on the island and how are they dealing with waste management? And how is that? I think it would be nice to have that too for an upcoming sustainability meeting. It's a great idea. I'll make a note of that as well. Um, and I have one other suggestion too. And Bob, I think you're already aware of this. Um, the Cottage Resource Recovery Center down at Stanford is part of the uh, Woods Institute has a safe MBR technology um, that uh, is pretty revolutionary when it comes to, to the treatment of, of um, especially solid wastes. And you know, we, we truck our stuff over to the uh, Ocean Beach plant, which makes sense. I'm not suggesting that we look at uh, a safe MBR uh, wastewater treatment plant on the island itself, um, but it could be room for a pilot. And that might make sense to have um, a guy named uh, Sebastian Tillmans um, who, uh, did his doctorate in this specific technology, uh, which is actually being used off the shelf in South Korea, um, but also now here in Redwood City. Um, and if that technology is in, of interest, um, we can have them presented here. And I can also arrange a field trip down there. Um, this reduces the footprint of a wastewater treatment plant by two thirds and converts, uh, the way it converts waste and the accompanying business model is pretty revolutionary. Um, so, you know, you could, we could either uh, take a look at technologies or shipping our materials somewhere or for them to have a freestanding trailer to process some of the stuff. It's, um, 
it's very interesting. Um, it's not off the shelf enough to to you know entertain for Treasure Island residents. I think it's not necessarily stable enough, but it is something worth looking into. So I just want to put that out there as well. No, great great ideas. Okay. Uh, anyone else? All right, Kate, back to you. Next item is to adjourn. Okay. Um, thank you very much, everyone, for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you all. See you.